Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You want these votes? You got to answer why you're not fixing this system. Because we don't have to just wait on Biden to, to sign an executive order for, for the George Floyd Police Reform Act. The mayors can do that. They can do that themselves. The mayors can sign, the mayors can sign a John Lewis Voting Rights Act. They like the, again, these positions wield an enormous amount of power. And so when you go back to the civil rights movement, you gotta ask yourself, who were they marching against? It wasn't like the president was in their city. Right. Who was it? It was the mayor, the city council folks, the county commissioners. Yeah. Those were the folks. And because those folks stood in the way of progress, the president had to get involved. And we we can't dismiss the fact that these positions wield an enormous amount of power. And when these folks aren't acting in the interest of the people, it's time to send them home. 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 Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. That's, that's the sexy voice right there. <laughs> welcome back, party people. Welcome back. Yeah, we got a hell of a conversation for you today. Listen, I don't know where you stand, right? Is politics or, or holding political offices, is that the way for us to create significant change as it relates to social justice or equity or equality? Right? Will, will this country, born of and built by slavery and racism, ever, from a political standpoint, allow us our just? I don't know. But what I do know is there are many black folks, many black folks who believe political representation is a potential catalyst for the increase in racial equity. As a matter of fact, I was doing some research before this episode, and I ran into a June 2020 Pew Research survey that said four in 10 black adults think that getting more black folks elected to public office would be effective in creating social change. Not to mention, when you look at white America, they feel that way, but on a smaller scale. They say 23% of folks believe that political representation would help social justice. <laughs> but what's important there is if four in 10 feel good that politics is the way to increase social justice, that means that six in 10 either don't or at least are indifferent. And I don't know where you stand, but I do know a little bit of the history. So if you go back to 1954, there were no black U.S. senators Four governors and only five black members of the House of Representatives. Now, in, two, in 2021, we've got greater representation in some areas, but not all. 57 or 13% of the House members are black. That does not include non-voting delegates. But when you look at our representation in other areas, there's little to no change. Currently, there are only three black senators and zero black governors. If you go all the way back to Hiram Revels, a Republican from Mississippi, and the first black U.S. senator who filled an empty seat from 1870 to 1871. There have only been 11 black senators in total. 
That's including the three in office today. To top that off, it wasn't until 2013 that we ever had more than one at a time. So this intro wasn't meant to provide you with answers. It was only meant to provide a bit of historical context as we lead into today's conversation and as we bring on today's guest. And it's an amazing episode that you've got coming your way today. We've already been having conversations in the studio that we had to shut down just to start recording. So with that, I want to introduce you to Dante Carter. Dante, welcome to the show, bro. What's going on, fellas, man? Thank you so much for inviting me out here today, and I'm looking forward to this discussion. Absolutely. Man, if you don't mind, you've done a lot. You're still doing a lot. Tell the folks a little bit more about who you are. You know, uh, gosh, uh, first and foremost, um, I'm a husband. Mm -hmm. I'm a father. uh, I'm a business owner. Um, But the biggest role I've been carrying here lately is the role of an activist. And, uh, you know, it's so funny because, and it's not funny, it's sad, actually. Last year, I, I, I tripled my revenue, you know, for my company. And right. folks are like, man, just focus, focus on your business, focus on making money. I can't. I can't. I would love to be in that mindset of everybody else, just being able to focus on making some money. Somebody got to care about us. Somebody got to yeah. make this place better, man. Yeah, but people out here dying. Every day. Dying. And, Di- and, and half of them dying for no reason, shouldn't yeah. be dying. And so I just, you know, you, you, you brought up an interesting point about, about politics. And, you know, I'm, I'm running for the mayor. I'm running to be the next mayor in the city of Sandy Springs. And I've, I've seen a lot. You know, I started working in television news when I was 19 years old. Right. Started off as a video editor. Was in the industry for over 10 years. Uh, worked here in Atlanta. Eleven Alive, CBS 46. Right. Went over to the Fulton County DA's office, which is the largest district attorney's office in the state of Georgia, yeah. um, and led up the PR department. And uh, what ultimately led to me resigning there was there was a trial involving four young black boys. Right. Um, two of them 14, two of them 16. And uh, they were accused of uh, murdering a white guy in, in Midtown Atlanta. Right. Big story. I mean, you know, you can only imagine what, when it comes to race, how that elevates, yeah. you know, this this yeah. case. And so the victim's mother took the stand and said her son came to her in her dreams and said that those, mm. those young men weren't, weren't the right people. And um, I just remembered sitting behind closed doors in this meeting when the DA was asking a prosecutor, you know, what happened? They had cell phones on them, right? And she said, yeah. And he said, well, did you, did you, did you? find out where the cell phones pinged them at? Did you look at the track and see where they were? And, um, and they had. You know, they, they took everything that, that law enforcement said happened. They didn't review it. And the role of the DA's office um, isn't about just, you know, taking to court what police give them. It's about seeking truth and justice and ensuring that accountability, whichever way that, that, that pendulum swings is held, that there is accountability. Right. And um, turns out that those young men didn't do it. And, um, when they went back and looked to see their cell phones, one of the experts said that the boys would have had to be flashed to run over there, shoot this guy, and, and get away from the scene. So something as simple as yeah. just checking where the cell phones checking. were pinging from. Which is basic. Yeah. But right. Investigations now. Yeah. And so it was, um, and, and this wasn't that long ago. I mean, we're talking about four years ago. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Wow. Yep. So um, that, that right there just, it, it, it left a stain on me. And um, I just remember the DA calling me into his office and saying, man, you just, you ain't been the same. You know, um, you know, you just don't see him as engaged. Right. And, you know, 
what are we going to do here? And I remember just, I left that meeting and I immediately called my wife and I had already started my PR firm. And I just, I told her, I said, I, I think it's time for me to leave. And I mean, my wife is six months pregnant at the time. Mm. She was like, I got your back, you know? I mean, if this is what you feel Come like on, needs wife. to happen. That's that support. Yeah. That's that support. She was like, if you feel like this is what needs to happen, I got your oh, back. Yeah. And so, you know, I submitted uh, my two weeks notice that day and, um, you know, and I, I started calling up some of the attorneys that I know that were really doing the work. You know, some of y'all know Attorney Griggs. Yes, sir. And, yes, sir. Uh, just a lot of the work that he's been doing. And um, I mean, you know, we've been out here fighting to, to change legislation, ensuring that context is brought into these conversations. Um, you know, we've been working in the, in the civil rights, uh, voting rights spaces, criminal defense spaces, and it's, it's been a lot, but it's, it's helped me to understand how these laws were written. Right. how they were intended to be um, applied and, and what's really happening. Yeah. And, and that's what I was disheartened by. And, and the reality is, is a, a, a vast majority, vast, vast majority of these laws were written by people that weren't minorities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that when you're writing these laws without the context and, the, and those voices actually at the table, that there are going to be consequences to it. And, and that's what we're seeing we're seeing the consequences of, of biased laws. And until we start to bring people in the room that, that can address that bias, it's going to continue to happen. And so we've, we've really got really to get people um, engaged. And, and we're seeing people engaged at a level that, you know, my father-in-law who marched with Dr. King, I mean, he was like, man, he said, contrary to popular belief, wasn't a whole lot of white people out there with us. Right. That he said, I was just black folks. Right. He said, y'all had everybody in them streets with y'all. Everybody. And we've got people aware at a level that this country hadn't seen since the civil rights movement. So my question to everybody is, what are we going to do now? Amen to that. That's a great question. Man, you came out the gate with some amazing, <laughs> amazing points and thoughts, right? Came All, out I, shooting, I, Like, I almost feel bad to even redirect into the wild black shit, but we got to give it. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Do him anyway. <laughs> got to. Got to. Got to. But look, he, 
He shut the mood down. He right, was he focused. did. We were straight, straight <laughs> in. But every episode, we always hit our guests with wild black shit. And basically what it is, three questions, two get you warmed up, but you're already ready to go, so these gonna, you're going to knock these out the park. And the third question is our signature question we ask every single guest. So let's, let's get it kicked off. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Simple and straightforward. Candyman was <laughs> recently hit the theaters, and it's the first movie ever that was directed by a black woman. Uh, at number one. To debut at number one. So in honor of Nia and Candyman, Nia is the, the um, director. The director, yeah. Nia DaCosta, yes, right? We'd like for you to say Candyman five times. We got oh, a mirror. We got yeah. a mirror right there if you need one. Yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> that ain't happening. He ain't with it. He's like, no. Nah. Yeah, you know, it's crazy because I went to go see the movie on, on Friday oh, with my wife. Was it? it was good. You know, I didn't I didn't understand it at first. And it wasn't that I didn't understand it. I, I, expected, I expected to be as scared as I was when I saw the, the, the 1992, original. Yeah. the original version. Yeah. So I expected that level of fear. But they were they were very intentional with what they did. And as I started right. to read about how they created the film, it really inspired me. And so, you know, because the whole Candyman movie, so it was originally set, um, the book was placed in London. That's mm. where they um, wrote it. And it was about classism, right? Well, when they brought oh. it over here, they made it about racism. And, and it was supposed to be about the history of racial trauma and what that does to black people. So Candyman was symbolic of that racial trauma. I never thought that deeply about it because I was always scared. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Right. I was so chilled about that that I, I didn't even think any further. Um, but this one, they did a great job of balancing it out and they fed us with everything. And I think the more that people see what they did, I mean, it really gets you to think. I can't wait um, to see it. Oh, so it's not it's, scary. It's, no, it's scary, but it's, it's Jordan Peele scary. You right. Know? Oh, okay. It's right. an education. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like where it forces you to think. And so when he talked, I mean, they literally talked about how the system created Candyman. And the way they broke it down, mm. they did it beautifully. Hmm. And I was just, I never thought about it that way. He's he's educating Yeah. And so when they broke it down that way, I was like, whoa, it had me thinking. And I'm just like, but I appreciate them taking this opportunity yeah. to talk about racial trauma and the history of it in this country. I, I just love that we're, we're getting some of that stuff. It's embedded. Like in, yeah. from, from, from media outlets and platforms. Because you've got, what was the Lovecraft? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that was that was fucking that was amazing. amazing. Right. You got um, what's the other one? Oh, the one where um Regina King, Regina Hall, Regina King is in. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't ah, think of the name. What is the name oh. of it? The, the the very first episode was in the middle of the Tulsa race riot. Yeah. Right. The Tulsa massacre. Let me be mm -hmm. for real. I love that we've got some of that oh, stuff coming uh, out. Right. I can't remember what it was called. Though. Yeah, it's with the superheroes. Like, yeah. I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's skipping my mind right it's now too. Good. I'm sorry. Hit him with question two, brother. Damn, this is an interesting one. Your thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. Do you think black folks should refrain from using the word nigga? Mm. That's, that's, that's a complicated question, right? Ain't it. Because that right there is, is, is the duality of humanity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a dichotomy here that people don't want to talk about, right? It's, we've always taking the scraps and turned it into something. Whether right. it was chitlins, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. That's, that's what we that's, do. That's what we do. And so... Reinvention. Yeah, and I, I think I understand where um, our older generation comes from with that, when they're like, no, that word was used when it killed people, yada, yada. But I also understand 
the empowerment that comes from saying, I'm taking this back. It's yeah. mine. You can't use this against me like that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. It's, it's complicated, you know? So I, I don't know how to answer it, you know? Um, and if folks want me to be political, I mean, we got a First Amendment, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, personally, I am one of the people, I struggle with the word, but I can use that word like the best of them. Yeah. While I'm struggling, there, there have been times and moments where I will say the word, I will instantly feel guilty for saying it. And there are other times where I say it freely without concern, without thinking about it. I, I feel the empowerment behind the word. I bounce back and forth. I've stopped, I've stopped saying it for months. I ain't gonna say years, but definitely for months. But it, it, it makes a comeback with me. Bro, wh wh where you at with it, man? Hmm. I use it freely. I use it freely. Like I'm free as hell, man. Yeah, I, I I feel like I should have that level of freedom to to express myself yeah. in any any manner that I choose to. So yeah, I, I and when people say you shouldn't use it, it makes me say, well, why? Why do you yeah. think someone shouldn't use a particular word? You know, why would you try to limit somebody's vocabulary or some someone's level of expression? Yeah. Does it hurt you in any way? Or, you know, it, so I, I, I freely try to, you know, try to th use it when I want to. There is one place that every time I hear it used in this capacity, it, it, it hurts me. Like, I, I can use it. I, I call my friends that have the hell. You and I call each other that all right. I mean, like, I use it. But when I see, like, a parent talking to their child, like their young child, like in a chastising manner, and oh, to use that yeah. word, I, it it hurts me from the inside out. I cannot. I, I think it just it takes me back to another place. Like when that when that word is used to degrade someone, to to make someone feel bad. And I I remember specifically, <clears throat> I was outside my son's school. He was at Crabapple Middle. Yeah, and there was a black parent with a black child. They were outside, and he was going in. On his son, I mean, he said, "You little nigga," and it just mm. like it, it. It took everything I had to hold. I, I had to stop myself from interrupting his parenting yeah. because, like, that bothers me so significantly. Had he been talking to a son who was twenty five, with his homeboy, but the way he said it to his son, right? There, it, a middle school, he might have been yeah. seventh grade, sixth grade. I don't know, but everything about it just felt like in that moment you took that word with all its negativity and you shoved it inside your son and now it lives there. Yeah. But, you know, I, I won't go down that path. Too. Well, it, it, see, that's a deep one too, right? Because it is. It could be a lot involved and I, I, I'm with you. Like, anytime, like, when, 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 like, very harsh language is directed toward kids, it, it does have an impact. Yeah. So, utilizing that word in that way does yeah. weaponize it. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. It was yeah. like he shot him with a nigga bullet or something. Right. Like, yeah. right. It hurt. Man. Right, yeah. right, right. It penetrated him and it hit you. It did. The, yeah. the deflection was real. And yep. you know, when I responded, I wasn't even looking at it from that angle. I was looking at it in terms of conversations yeah, amongst yeah. peers. That's, and, oh, yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's, and that's what I'm saying. is Because, I mean, I, I, I grew up when Tupac was hot. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was like, never ignorant getting goals accomplished. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like, so there were acronyms yeah, for In the 90s, so, that word was prominent. Yeah. And so I just, I mean, like I said, I, I see both sides of the coin. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I really work hard to refrain from using it, you know. Right. All right. Third question, signature question. What do you love most about life while black? Mm. Man, I love the culture. Mm. 
You know what I'm saying? I just, the music, I mean, just having something to, to relate to. I mean, there's, I was listening to, to Young Jeezy's song that he, he made for Obama when he ran. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's hard to not find a time period where yeah. you can't just click on the music. I mean, you think about what Lil Baby did with um, Bigger Picture. You know, yeah. it's just like, Mm-hmm. You know, for me, that's yeah. that's what I love is 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 just the culture, being able to embrace it. You yeah. know, I just I just love our struggle, man. How we persevere. Like I just, I mean, we I don't start, we, I don't we know. Reinvent everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to to start where we started. Make it better. Yeah. Right. But to start where we started on this continent. You know what I'm saying? Bro. You know, like look I've, where we at now. Yeah. I've been fortunate enough to tra- trace my roots back. You know, so. Um, my folks were slaves in Georgia. They were slaves in Alabama. You know what I'm saying? And so to know, you know, I just, I look, when people talk about red clay, it just hits me differently. Because, yeah. you know, now I look at it and I'm like, how much of my ancestors' blood is in that clay? Yeah. You know, why is it so red? You know? And so it's just, but that understanding is like, okay, we got to, just reminds me of the work, you know, um, that's still left to do. You know, I'm the, I'm the first person in my family born with the right to vote. You know, like, y'all probably are too. But just when you when you even stop and think, yeah, like you, you, think you, about you see that? that that was that was the the brain kind of thinking, damn, yeah. And when you, you stop and right. really yeah. think about that, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Born with the right to vote. Yeah, I mean, we ain't got no poll taxes. You know, you know what I'm saying? We don't, we're not dealing with all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, wasn't that long ago that nah. that all that was a very real part of everyday life for folks yeah. like us. And so, you know, I mean, so, I mean, we, and that's why I said, we just got to be honest about, about this political system we in. Like, we still new to the game. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I mean, we're really, we just sent the first black Georgian, you know, first Ever. black Georgian to, to D.C. To, to represent us as a senator. The first, you know. And I mean, that's cra- when you contrast that with what Atlanta, Georgia means to so many folks in this country. When you really think about that. It's, it's really, a lot. Yeah. Only 11 in history. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And that's the conversations we got to have, man. Yeah. Folks got to know. You know, yeah. you can't change this stuff until you start to get more people in office. Yeah. Can't wait to talk about it. We're going to jump to the dope quote. And um, today's dope quote, just like all of them, comes from religion, history, science, arts, culture, music, entertainment. And it has relevance to the topic today. So I'll read it, and then I'll get your perspective. <clears throat> the chasm between the principles upon which this government was founded and those which are daily practiced under the protection of the flag, yawn so wide and so deep, by Mary Church Terrell. When you hear that, what's the first thing that comes to mind? For you? Mm. you know, it's, um, I think about uh, listening to Reverend Warnock speak and how he talked about Patrick Henry saying, give me liberty or give me death. And he asked a question. He said, how would 
Patrick Henry have responded if his slave would have stood up and said, me too, boss? Mm. You know? Oh. Like, but that's, that's, mm. that's the period that we're in. And, you know, a lot of people too, are like, boss. yeah, like, you know, a lot of people are like, man, Dante, you know, you talk a lot about race, talk, but, but I mean, that's, that's what's entrenched. That's, yeah. that's what this, you know, this government, this flag that, that they have us, you know, put our hand to and pledge to going through school. I mean, all that stuff. I mean, yeah. it's all, it's all intertwined. And the only way for us to really start moving this thing forward is we're going to have to start really looking at what's going on when these laws were founded. I mean, some of, what's crazy to me is, you know, Georgia had a black code and some of those laws are still on the books. Yeah. Now, whether or not they're enforced is a different thing, but my thing is it's still on the books. Yeah. I got an issue with the fact that it's, it's, still, uh, it's still on the books. And so we, we have to be clear, you know, and... You know, and this is this is a conversation that, you know, when, I, when I'm able to, I have with law enforcement. Like, we got to be clear about what this stuff is rooted in. You, we talk about a, a mistrust and a distrust of the police. Well, let's, let's be clear. You know, under those, those Georgia black codes, if any of us in this room owned a dog, we could go to jail for owning a dog. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got two dogs at my house. <laughs> like, so you telling me under, under those laws, and so... And not only that, let's talk about black farmers. If they sold the, 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 the fruit and the vegetables of their field without selling through a, a white person, like the white person had to sell it for them. If, and if they sold it without a white person being there, they would, mm. get, they would get locked up. And so think about what that does. And I mean, this is stuff that was happening in the 1900s and, and so on. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like this stuff is... Like, oh, that's in the way, 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 way past. Because it's, it's not. Yeah. It's not, you know? And so we're, we're, what does that do to those descendants? I mean, when you criminalize the very act of survival, right? Of, of the very act of working. Let me, let me, let me till my, my field. Let me, let me pick up all this, this cabbage, these, these cucumbers, all these vegetables. Let me put them in my wagon. And let me go down to the market to sell. When you make that illegal, right? When, you, when you're doing the right thing and, and, and it's illegal, what impact does that have on the generations that come after? Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And so, I mean, this stuff is really, really deep and we got to have those conversations. And we get... We, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta really create spaces so that so that we can have those conversations. Because, I mean, I, I got a kid right now, and you know, my whole goal is ensuring that, you know, I leave a world much better for her than what I inherited. And and we're gonna have to work. We have to do a little more work to get there. Um, and that's what I tell folks. You know, if I gotta if I gotta run for mayor and I gotta fight for everybody to ensure that there's a place for my daughter, I'm willing to do that. Fight for everybody. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And we need more politicians that are looking at the humanity. Yeah. They're not caught up in big business, this, big business, that. And, um, you know, in, in Candyman, they had a line in there, man, that just stuck to me, right? And that's what I'm saying. You know, Jordan Peele and, and Nia doing what they do. But they talked about gentrification. Mm -hmm. And they said it's the new age colonization. It's like they're recolonizing us. You know, you come in, you buy up the land, and then you change the names of everything. And it's colonization happening over and over again. And I never even thought about it like that. 
And so it's yeah. like, what does that do to, to the person that this is all they know? They don't know anything else. Yeah. They've had limited resources. They, they, don't have, they don't have the same education to, to maneuver, you know, because these, these things impact us all differently. And so when you just come in and do these things, what's the impact that it, that it leaves behind? And so you look at the, the, um, the Constitution, right? First line of the Constitution, first line. We, the people of the United States of America, in order to form a more perfect union, establish what? Justice. Justice was the first thing that it said we need to establish. And what is justice, right? A lot of people look at justice like, oh, that's the outcome in a courtroom. No, justice is the quality of being fair. So what they were saying is with the foundation of this country, we're going to start off with everybody as equals. Now, that's not what they did, but that's what they wrote on paper. And what I'm saying is we, I want to get back to what you wrote on paper. I want to get back to the words of in order to form a more perfect union. That's what I want to get to. Because we, we got work to do to get to that place. And, and I, I think what, what you're seeing now is, is folks are concerned about power and leverage and who gets what. My thing is, look, look, I'm not, I'm not here to argue about those. What I'm, what I'm here to do is ensure that there's a presence of justice in the city of Sandy Springs to ensure that my daughter's value, that her friends are value, that her classmates are value. To, let's, let's start there, right? Let's start there. Let's start with justice. And, and, and that's where we got to get to. And, but there is, no, there is no presence of justice when you're pushing people out of your communities, when there's over-policing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When, when you've got politicians who feel as though they're above the law and they're not transparent. You know, those are, those, those are the things that, that continue to harbor a level of resentment within a community. And so what we saw last year wasn't an accident. And it will happen again if we don't start to work on these issues. And that's, that's why I'm running. That's, that's what this is about. It's about doing the work to ensure that we're creating an equitable society. My brother, I yeah. wish I could vote for you. I right. wish. You can, you can move to Sandy Springs. What you talking about, man? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I'm, I'm so there. close now. I can throw a rock and hit it. <laughs> but look, one of the things you, you, you talked about was creating this change. And are people, one, aware that the change needs to happen? Two, when you're trying to change something, it's important to understand where you sit in the moment, what mm -hmm. you are changing from, let alone what you're changing to. Do you find that people are receptive to you having conversations about what it is that we're changing from? Man, I, I was shocked. You know, I was, I was sitting in there with a few of my friends and, uh, and uh, one, of my, uh, one of my neighbors held a meet and greet for us. And he said, Dante, he said, I never would have thought that um, I would have seen a day where you would have, where you'd be running for mayor, sitting in a, a room full of predominantly white people talking about diversity and inclusion, what that looks like, equitable change. But again, I think to the credit of the people that took the streets last year, they raised the level of consciousness of this country. And what I'm saying is, is now that, that, now that we've, quote, woken some folks up, yeah. let's, let's do some work. Let's move yeah. from woke to work. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Let's make some real change. Because... Folks know that there's a problem. They all, it's, it's clear, you know. I mean, and, and I've been surprised. I mean, there have been folks 80 years old, like, yeah, Dante, we got to do something about affordable housing. Um, 
But, you know, I, I want to make sure that you also know that it's not just, you know, working class and, and some of these other families. Like, we got seniors mm-hmm. that want to get out of their homes and, and they have no other options, you Both know. Disabilities and, yeah. yeah. And so, but again, that comes back to that word of justice, the yeah. quality of being fair. Yeah. Because by getting out and doing this work, like, yeah, it started out with me wanting to take care of my daughter and ensure that she is seen, heard, and welcomed in our city. Yeah. But by considering the least of us, we're raising the boat for all, all of us. us. Yep, absolutely. And that's that's what it absolutely. comes down to. Man, that's dope. I had to go, you wrote Justice, the Quality of Being Fair. Mm-hmm. I had to go write that down. That might be the episode title. Man. <laughs> there's, there's, too much, there's too much power in that. So you, we're seeing, and you already mentioned the fact that we're seeing more engagement across racial barriers than we've ever seen before. And on top of that, we're seeing it sustained, right? Yeah. Of course, there's going to be a, a trend down, but we're seeing it relatively sustained, which from my perspective is something that's new for us, mm-hmm. right? I'm used to seeing us, black folks specifically, react to unjust murder of brothers and sisters. We protest, we march, we're angry. Then a month later, we're we're no longer in the streets. But this time, we're holding true to it. And as you talk about going from woke to work and beginning to challenge people to take a step into the arena of work, let's talk a little bit about what can work look like. So as you ask people, to begin taking action, what are some of the actions they can begin to take? Yeah. So, I mean, and there's it's so many layers to that, right? Yeah. Because the reality is, is we got to get people in office and people who care. They don't, listen, they don't have to look like me or right. look like us in this room, but I need to know that you care about us in this room. I yeah. need to know that you're, and, and, and in order for us to do that, we got to start vetting candidates. People just can't come into our community, want our vote, and we just, let me tell you, when I go in the communities that don't look like mine, they vetting the mess out of me. Mm-hmm. They vetting. When I say they, they vet, so what you going to do? What right. you going to do? Yeah, Mr. Carter, we agree with you on diversity and inclusion. We agree that we got to do some, 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 some real work on this side. But what about our infrastructure? What about our bridges? What about our bad water pipes? Like, they mm-hmm. want all of them. And my thing is, all that needs to be fixed. And they're you not afraid to stand up and say, no. hey, this is what I yeah. need. My people need, my yeah. community needs. We need to ask those questions ourselves. Yeah, and, and so we got to start vetting people the same way because we, we had a presidential candidate that said Black Lives Matter but didn't sign an executive order to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. We had a, a presidential candidate that met with George Floyd's daughter but didn't sign an executive order to, for what? The George Floyd Police Reform Act. And so... We've got to start holding people accountable. And, and we have to also understand, okay, what, what are the positions, right? The executive positions where change comes from, right? right. It's three positions. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you. It's, Hit it, brother. Get it, brother. It's the president. It's the governor. And it's the mayor. So those are the three. Those are the three. And so we're talking about police reform. Let's start doing it locally because who, who is the police department right under? It's the mayor. The mayor. The mayor is the head of the police department. Yep. And so let's start holding our mayors accountable, right? We don't like the the way that policing is in our neighborhood. We already know that's on the mayor. Mm -hmm. That's on the mayor. So look, you want these votes? You got to answer why you're not fixing this system. Because we don't have to just wait on Biden to to sign an executive Mm -hmm. order for, for the George Floyd Police Reform Act. 
The mayors can do that. They can do that themselves. The mayors can sign, the mayors can sign a John Lewis Voting Rights Act. They like the again, these positions wield an enormous amount of power. And so when you go back to the civil rights movement, you got to ask yourself, who were they marching against? It wasn't like the president was in their city. Right. Who was it? It was the mayor, the city council folks, the county commissioners. Yeah. Those were the folks. And because those folks stood in the way of progress, the president had to get involved. And we, we can't dismiss the fact that these mm. positions wield an enormous amount of power. And when these folks aren't acting in the interest of the people, it's time to send them home. And that's why we've got 17 candidates running in Sandy Springs. So we need to work on the way we perceive the power that these roles yeah. have. Yeah. Uh. They can sign. They, all this stuff we was marching, the Atlanta mayor could have done it. The Cato mayor could have done it. Sandy Springs mayor could have done it. Johns Creek mayor could have done it. My thing is, why didn't any of these mayors step up to do this? I think we need to hold the president accountable, yes. But my thing is, don't take, don't take the pressure off these local offices right. because they're the ones that directly impact us. Right. It's not enough. And I, you know, I sat down with, the, with um, and I've had these conversations. I had, I had a conversation with Sandy Springs police chief. I said, you know, it's not enough to just say, oh, that's a bad apple. Our system needs to prevent bad apples. You know what I'm saying? Prevent yeah. I'm not sitting over here. Nobody's jumping on a plane with a bad pilot. Correct. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Correct. PhD it's like, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he has yeah. to have a certain level of experience. Yep. And so we got to really start to answer and um, really ask these questions and get direct answers. No more fluff. People are like, man, you don't talk like a politician. You're real direct. Yeah, because I, I want direct responses. Right. I want direct results. Right. That's it. I don't, I don't need fluffery. Don't, don't, don't pat me on the back and, and use all these broad and ambiguous words and get me all confused. You know, speak direct to me. Let's get direct results. Yeah. At the end of the day, we need, to, we need to keep a scorecard. Everybody else got a scorecard, right? These, um, you look at all the, the, the eco-friendly folks. They got scorecards. They mm -hmm. grading all these politicians. Oh, man, this is where you stood on, um, on green initiatives, right? Yeah. And they... They give them FDCs, whatever mm -hmm. they earn, right? All, all these different, on yeah. The, on the things that yeah. matter to all that these communities. Yeah, and right. so my thing is... So people know how yeah. to vote against it. That's yeah. Right. You feel important? This is important? Boom. Look at, yeah. look at they rating. You know, yeah. one, thing, one, one thing you said that I want to dig into a little bit because I, I, I wonder if people truly know how to do this. You talked about the importance of vetting candidates. Mm -hmm. How would you tell people to do a better job in their vetting? Or even start vetting? What we, what we need to start asking folks is what are their commitments, right? Mm -hmm. What are their commitments? And I mean, that's what PACs do, right? Yep. They, they send you a whole long list of questions, right? Because they want to know what you care about. Mm -hmm. They want to know what you're going to fight for. That's, that's the reality of this stuff. They want to know exactly what you're going to fight for. And so what I'm saying is those questions, when they come in, it's not enough to just say, oh, this is how we're going to handle police. And this is, no, let's, let's, let's get specific, okay? Because that, that, that George uh, Floyd Policing Reform Act is a very specific bill, very specific on what changes need to be made to make this a better system. Mm -hmm. that, that 21st century um, policing initiative was very specific about things that need to change. And so mm -hmm. if these folks can't talk about the tangibles, can't get specific about the, the things that they're willing to do to make this a more equitable society, they don't, they, they don't deserve to vote. Mm -hmm. We need to put the pressure on these folks and that's why folks are like, man, like, you were, man, because I, I went into a barbershop in Sandy Springs. I think we got 
three three black owned barbershops. And dude came up to me and apologized. He said, I know I was I was pit grilling stop, you. Pit stop in Sandy Springs, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And so he said, I know I was grilling you. I know I was grilling you and I grilled you hard. Um, um, but you you stood in the fire and started answering. And I'm like, I gotta answer the questions. What do you mean? This ain't about making me feel good and right. pat me on the back. No. Because he was like, well, people came up to me and they was telling me I was going to. Brett, people need to see you going hard at me. Because they need to know that I got answers. That's right. You can handle it. Yeah. yeah. If I can't answer these questions in a barbershop, how am I going to get in front of a city and answer the questions? You know what I'm saying? That's right. and, and that's the level of accountability that we got to start putting on them. I told them, keep it on. Keep the pressure on. That yeah. leads real nicely That's to real this work. next question, right? After we elect someone, how do we hold them accountable? Yeah. Man, so, question. and I love it. And I, I got this from my boy, Attorney Griggs. He is great because he's been in the legal Griggs space. Is, Griggs is dope as Yeah, that. he's been in the legal space. And me being with him, I've, I've been in the legal space a long time. So you, you start to get an idea how long stuff really take to get done. Right. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and so I remembered when he sat back and I, I use the, um, the, the George Floyd Act um, and the John Lewis Act, right? Well, let's do J John Lewis because they just had the protest in right. D.C. So we're going to give them six months. They can't get this done in six months. We're going to do a march on Washington. And what'd they do? March on exactly Washington. what they say. Yeah. yeah. And so, but the yeah. reality is, is it don't take them this long. And what's going to end up happening is because they fail to act, it's going to hurt those midterm numbers. That's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. because Listen, Georgia has the highest voter registration numbers. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. And the whole U.S., Correct. which is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. You had, and, and I love my sisters. I love them. I love them. Um, love me some black women. I'm married to one. Right. They voted. You and I both. Right? Yeah. They voted at 91%. All three of us. <laughs> they voted at 91%. But guess who was the second highest group of voters? It was black men at 88%. So it wasn't like, like I said, I love my sisters. But we was, we was right, right, right there with y'all. Y'all outvoted y'all counterparts, so did we. You see what I'm saying? So, and we were number two. It was them with the high turnout and us. Y'all got the A, but we got a B. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like, but that's just the reality. A and so, B. yeah, a hobby. And so um, I think that the work that, that black families put in here in the state of Georgia right. is impressive. Because that's what it came down to. It was, it was, it was black families that were stepping up. It was yes. black families. You know what I'm saying? I mean, People how many tell that story enough? Yeah, yeah. How many, how many black fathers stepped up? And how many black mothers walked beside those black fathers to say, we gotta ensure mm -hmm. that our people turn out so that mm -hmm. we can get these things done to make this more equitable? Mm -hmm. It was a lot of them. Got right. be. You know, we opened the episode talking about that four in ten black adults feel like politics, elected officials, black folks being represented in those spaces is important to lead toward social justice, racial equity. But that six and 10 don't feel that way. 
So understanding that the laws that we are governed by, in most cases, were not written by black folk. So why is it that politics is the right space for us to create this change? We, we've got a, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on op-ed now. Right. But it's, it's moving. It's, and, and the title of it is, we marched. Now it's time to run. Yeah. We got to go from protest to policy. Because if we don't get this thing on paper, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Regardless of how you feel about the situation, if it ain't on paper, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. It don't exist. Yeah. It doesn't. It ain't documented in yeah. history. And so, and that's why it's so important. I think we gotta we gotta be real. And I, I I'm all about taking care of everybody. But I don't think we group everybody in the one box and just say minority. Because right. we've all got individual concerns and issues. You know what I'm saying? And yep. I think it's, it's very important to ensure, but that goes down to really understanding what diversity, inclusion, and equity is. You know, right. I tell folks all the time, you know, um, the, the, the conversation about diversity and inclusion without equity is an illusion. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it, do, it doesn't mm. exist. And we got to be intentional. <laughs> we got to be intentional. I was yep. going through Sandy Springs, and I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a huge Indian population. I'm talking. They're having conversations about inclusion for them as well. And so the question he asked me is, is, you know, how do we get there? He said, because we saw what happened with the Black Lives Matter movement, and it was powerful. Now, how do we create something like that so that our concerns are also at the table? And people are really having these conversations in real time. But you know what we connected over? What's that? He got a three-year-old daughter, and I got a three-year-old daughter. And it comes back to us understanding and recognizing the humanity. That's your word, Art. That's your thing now. Yeah, that's mm. rooted in, like, basic construct. Yeah. We all should be aligned to. You would think we would all be aligned to think. it, right? Yeah. But then it, then it turns into, you know, who do they view as human? Correct. Correct. Because humanity really goes as far as you allow that human definition to apply. Correct. And we you know, know it wasn't always, right. yeah, we wasn't right. always seen right. as right. that. So it, ain't, it wouldn't be shocking for someone to actually... Give you a small indication that hey, yeah. I don't see you as being hundred percent human. Yeah, I mean, and we gotta be real. I mean, we talking about black politicians. We talking about what the last fifty years? Correct. Well, it ain't been that. You long. know what I'm saying? That's like, less than a lifetime. Yeah. When did the Voting Rights Act yeah. take place? 1965. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man, my mother was. I mean, she was. Oh, she. I mean, shoot. Yep. <laughs> they were ten. Teenagers. Yeah, you know, yeah. so like it was growing up. Like, yeah. what, you, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and so I mean, her her world is is vastly different from mine. I talked to um I talked to um one of the oldest um black Sandy Springs residents, and I mean, she just gave me such a powerful history of the city. I mean, she remembered she grew up in Sandy Springs, was born in Sandy Springs, and she remembered being bused up to Alpharetta to the school for colored kids. You know, and I mean. I just like the history there, you know? And, I mean, we got to be honest about it. I mean, Sandy Springs, and, you know, she was telling me, she said it's always been called Sandy Springs. Before it was incorporated, it was called Sandy Springs. And, you know, it was, it was one of those cities that, that was created out of white flight, you know? Yeah. And, and they've, they've got, you can go back and read the news articles. They said this is going to be a city where no Negro will ever own property. Like, it's all there. So we can't, like... If my grandparents are still alive and remember those conversations, my right. grandmother grew up in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Right. 
And it's so crazy because, and this is, when we talk about psychological effects, right? This is the, this is the crazy part, right? So my grandmother called me um, one day. She wanted to come down and visit my daughter. And I said, you know, well, what do you, what do you want to do when you, come to, when you come down here? And she said, man, I just want to go to the zoo. And I'm like, the zoo? Grandma, the zoo? The zoo with them stinky animals? That's where you want to go to the zoo? And she said, baby, you don't understand. Um, when I grew up in Atlanta, black people couldn't go to the zoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what's so crazy is how many times has my grandma been back to Atlanta? Oh, a bunch. A bunch. She still hasn't gone to the zoo. Wow. It's, it's in there. You see what I'm saying? It's so if that's, grandmother, yeah. if that's my grandmother, yeah. if that's my grandmother, if that's my grand, how much stuff has passed down to us that we don't even realize yeah. is Correct. there? Because we, we pass our fears yeah. to our children. Yeah. It's yep. what we do. Yeah. It's what we do. And we it, unconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we, it's protection. Right? Call it protection. Mm-hmm. All right, Dante, you, we, we talked earlier about the governor, the mayor, and the president truly having impactful positions, right? And through the example you just gave, we talked about the importance of politics as it represents policy, as it relates to policy. So for, for those folks who are interested in getting into the political arena, what would be considered like the entry-level positions for them to go for? They've never done politics, but they want to get involved. How do they do that? Listen, I, I'll take somebody over heart, any, you know, somebody with heart any day of the week. Mm. That's just how I see it. All this wait your turn and, and, and all this look, man, if Trump taught us anything, throw yeah. that shit out the window. Yeah, I mean, my, my whole thing is, look, it's the only way, right, to, to get the change that we need is we got to get people that's willing to fight. Yeah. So if you got a backbone, if you got a spine, look. Right. Come fight. G- come fight. Get up there and run. I'm running against an incumbent right now. Right. I knocked on the door and a dude was just like, I can't believe you're doing this. I give you props. You got courage. But this guy wields power, man. He's got power. You're not scared? And I said, power? <laughs> this is a democracy, right? The people got the power. Mm. Let the people tell me I'm not qualified. Let the people tell me I'm not fit for office. Mm. Let them tell me. Let them tell me. And that's what I would tell people. Let the people tell you whether or not you're ready. I love that. That's strong. I love that. You know, so, folks, this is not Dante's first time on Wild Black. It's the first time you've heard him because the earlier episode got lost. One of the things he talked about when he was with us the first time was the fact that there's a Barack and a Michelle in every neighborhood, in every community. So, brother, do you, do you remember that conversation? Mm-hmm. I want to I go back to that because I think it's important for people to hear this. When you say there's a Barack and a Michelle in every community, what, what does that mean? So what I'm, what I'm getting at is, is so many people look at this and they're like, oh, that's, that's the exceptional family. Right. That's the exceptional black man, exceptional black woman. And, and I'm, what I'm saying is it's only exceptional because the media has told us it's, it's exceptional. And the reality is it's, it's, it's not. I was, I was watching um, a, a documentary on Barack Obama on uh, the HBO Max streaming app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, man, it, it, it empowered me more than anything because he was in the streets marching. You know, I, I don't know how that didn't come out in this presidential race, but he was in the streets marching. Mm-hmm. He was protesting. He was working with the people. 
And so when you start to realize that this dude was an organizer at heart that just cared about people and making a difference in our lives, mm -hmm. how, many, how many of us in our community care about folks? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm only here because there were people in my community that cared more about my future than I did at that time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That were willing, that were willing to invest in me until, I, until that light went off. You know, I came up in a single-parent working-class household. You know, I got guys that I played football with that are in prison on murder charges. And not because they killed somebody, but because they were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, and, and people don't, they, they're like, well, why would you hang with so-and-so? Man, that's my next-door neighbor. What do you mean why'd I mm -hmm. hang with him? Been playing with this guy since I was five years old. I didn't know X, Y, and Z was going to happen. And, and that's why I say it's just so important for community. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when I saw the stuff, it was, it was very detailed in his life, you know, everything from him smoking weed to getting in trouble. And mm -hmm. I'm like, man, he went through the same things I went through. Yeah. So what he did ain't exceptional. He just, he got an opportunity that a majority of us, a vast majority of us don't get. And so and what I'm he saying- he didn't let fear get in his way. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's on us. We, we got the opportunities to be those people and we can do it. It's, yeah. it's on us. And, and we got to start talking to our children, talking to the children in our communities that way. And letting them know that it's not about where you start. It's about Amen where you finish. That. I don't know if it was mm -hmm. the same documentary. I don't remember what it was. But I remember um, Michelle talking about an early date with The Rock. Mm -hmm. And the fact that his car was so torn down that she could see the street In beneath the them as they drove. And he became who we recognize today as one of the best presidents or one of the most influential leaders or one of the most popular people, depending on how you feel about Barack. But if he went from the brother driving a car, picking up a woman where she could see the floor moving beneath her feet. Yeah. You I mean, do it. not only that, he wasn't no spring chicken when he went to law school. Right. He was out. He was out serving. He was a community yeah. organizer yeah. and realized that, okay, I can't make the change in these streets that I want to make unless I get, in, get, get to the oh, table. Wow. Yeah. And in order for me to get to the table, I got to go to law school. Yeah. So he was older. And it's, and it's funny because, like, I was talking to some attorneys, and they're like, man, I didn't realize he was so old when he went to law school. You know, most of us are on our second, third job at that point, you know? Yeah. And, but the reality is, is he, he, he took time and realized, okay, I got I to gotta make a change here. I got to yeah. hit the restart button. And we can't be scared to hit the restart button. We can't be scared to say, you know what, I need to, I need to go over here and add, add another tool to... to um, to 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 my my wardrobe here to ensure that I can I can get to the places I need to get to. There's nothing wrong with that, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so and that's what I think is 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 powerful. And and when I started to see that, I mean, man, let me tell you, when my mother got out of the army, she was going through a divorce. Uh, I remember watching her go to school during the day and working overnight. And I remember seeing her go into the her, her closet and crying. Um, stressed out, not knowing how to make these two ends meet. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's a common, it's a common theme when it comes to talking about these issues of not just right our poor class, but overwhelmingly a poor black class. Yeah. You know, that's overwhelmingly impacted by the justice system. And so um, when I, but when I saw her persevere, what did that do? It 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 stirred something up in me, right? That right. that is created a fire. So it's like, it's kind of hard for you to tell me what's possible and what's not. Because I saw this right. lady you saw work overnight and go to school during the day. Impossible. Yeah, while yeah. raising four kids. You yeah. know, so... That's when impossible becomes normal. Too. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so, we do. but she laid the she laid the groundwork and the foundation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so, she set it up. Yeah, for but it, it it was that it was seeing that she what she did is she got me to the door. It was on me to open the door and get on the elevator. Mm-hmm. I'm on the elevator. Now it's it's my job to ensure that we getting our kids to the table. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 not just not just the tables in the corner where where we get to, but I mean the big tables. And not yeah. just seats on the side, but yeah. seats at the head. Yeah, and w- yeah. Because that's where the change is going to start to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about Barack that he had to have the right kind of support, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he had to recognize that there was a, a change that had to happen. And when you were talking about yourself, you talked about that at some point in your life, there were people who cared more about you, your well-being, and your future than even you did in that moment. So the question I want to ask from that is, what is the community's role in helping someone to, air quotes, become? Right? Yeah. What, what, what needs to happen there? So I, I think the reality is, right, we're talking about this, right? It's so easy to, to look, at, look at a kid and, you know, that's, that's in a tough spot and say, well, uh, that's, not, that's not my issue. That's not my concern. Yeah. That's, that's on his parents. Um, when the reality is, is, again, I don't know how many groups of people are still living in the countries of their captivity. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so I, I think we've got to look at, at how we address those things differently. Um, because me seeing those people come in, seeing those folks who worked at different charities step in and help out, when I was 18 working at the Second Harvest Food Bank of Central Florida, it, didn't, it wasn't just work, right? Because I had already seen the people that had invested in me. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I knew who I was serving. It, cha- it literally changed the way I seen that whole situation. But it was even thinking about my mother. Like, I had a friend that was homeless. She didn't ask, why are you homeless? She said, come on in. Yeah. Come get some dinner. You are know? you hungry now? Yeah. Why are you homeless? And I'm, you know, I'm 10 years old at the time. I'm like, man, you was just in the closet crying about money. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, bring, you come in here talking about coming in here and eat. Like, what is going on? Yeah. But but that's the love and care that changes our community. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Because think about it. When the opioid That's epidemic true. was happening in that triangle, I mean, you had doctors get involved, you had lawyers get involved. It was the community coming together. And I think for us, it's embracing, you know, yeah, we are different. We got different struggles, but guess what? We can still make this thing work. You know what I'm saying? Right. We can still, together. we can, yeah, together. It's always a way to do this together. It's always a way. Like, what they say, politics is war without the bloodshed. You know what? And, but it's, it's, it's bigger than that to me, right? Politics teaches you that you got to play together, right? Correct. It teaches you that you got to work together. You know, the whole lesson they were trying to teach you in school, politics is like, look, if y'all can't work together, this ain't happening. Yeah. And what I'm saying is the more that we work on working not just on ourselves as individuals, but on our communities collectively and working on our politicians, we're holding them accountable. Because listen, look, look, Warren, I saw, we're going to send you to Washington, but if you don't know how to play and play in a way that where you get some of these laws passed, we're going to get somebody else up That's there. It. And I'm not saying they're not doing their jobs. What I'm saying is, is we got to keep our foot on their neck yeah. and keep holding yeah, yeah. them accountable. Because yeah, that's yeah. what the stuff comes down to. Anyone yeah. can always be replaced. Yeah. Yep. No and, safe seats. Right. And, and that's not a threat. That's accountability. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's, it's, how, it's, that's right. how it should be. That's what yeah. should, everybody should expect. Do what you said. Do what you told us when we provided our vote for you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll find someone else who will. If you want a job and you ain't getting the job done, what happens? Boom, you out of there. Yeah, it's a question. It's a conversation. You out of there. Hey, remember when you came on board, you said you could do mm-hmm. this. Yeah. 
Don't look like you're able to do this. Let's yeah. look at your... Yeah. I mean, you get on the job and you don't perform in them first 90 days. What happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're on the way out. Probation, yeah. way out. Yeah, Some kind of change. It's like you gone. You yeah. Really... yeah. And, you know, I think you it's important to remind folks, this, this is a right-to-work state, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I need you to get right to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, get right to work and do the right yeah, work. Right. Do what you say you're going to do. Cool. Dante, brother, this has been an amazing episode. Um, <laughs> you absolutely laid down some gems, art to use your word. What we always like to do is turn the mic over to our guests at the end, let you tell the people whatever it is that's on your heart to tell them. So, brother, the floor is yours. We just ask that. Share some tracking, following, supporting yeah. information with well, you. Well, you know, I, 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 well, I'll go ahead and start off there. You know, y'all <laughs> can uh, follow me. Um, I'm at Dante Carter on all social platforms. It's D-O-N-T-A-Y-E, uh, last name Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R. And I'm Dante for Mayor. Those are all my, uh, my campaign sites. But, you, you know, what's on, what's on my heart today is, um, you know, we got an opportunity here in this country to do something special. We got an opportunity um, to move this country forward in a way we're bringing people together. We saw, we saw with, with Trump, we saw what division looks like there. Yeah. And we have an opportunity to do something special. Let's, let's get to the policy part. Let's get to the human part. Let's make sure that these laws um, are not only reflective of the population, but also have in there the intent to ensure that all people feel as though there's a presence of justice, that quality of being fair. That's, that's what this is about. And um, I just want to encourage you, I, I know at times it seems bleak and, and hopeless, um, but we are there. I mean, we saw, for, for everything that they had to say about last year, we, ra- we literally raised the consciousness of this country. Yeah. And well, it's the time. It, the world. Yeah. The world. They're still marching around the world. They're still saying Black Lives Matter. And despite everything that's going on, we woke up this nation. Now let's get to work for this nation. And mm. in a way, we're making it more equitable. Mm. Brother, I love it, man. Thank you for coming back to Wild Black. We appreciate your time and being here. All right, brother, you got anything, man? Hey, let's vote and get to work. That's right. Wild Black, we out. Peace. Appreciate y'all, brothers. Thank you. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.